This is Against the Norm with Nick Craig. Well, like many of you, I've become known to uh, look forward to that intro, that theme song, My City Was Gone by The Pretenders, the intro to the Rush Limbaugh program for well over 30 years. And unfortunately, uh, as I'm sure you've all heard and heard a lot about, uh, unfortunately lost Rush uh, this past week, uh, finally succumbing to uh, a stage four lung cancer that he announced February of last year, so it is a, uh, a, a sad, uh, sad state of affairs and a sad, sad week for a whole bunch of groups. Um, I think, you know, you look at where we are right now or how how we got here, and I think it's pretty safe to say Donald Trump doesn't happen with without Rush Limbaugh. I think that's a I think that's an accurate statement to make. I'm not even sure I'd be involved. At, I'm not even sure I'd be politically involved. I'm. I, I can guarantee I wouldn't be doing this radio show. I'm, but I'm not sure I'd even be politically involved without somebody like Rush, who I didn't find until. Um, you know, I know there's some people that who, my my parents didn't listen to Rush, um, so I didn't. You know, grow up listening to him. But once I started, um, you know, getting more interested in politics as I as I worked through. Uh, school, um, Rush was was one of the people you uh, you you look for, right? It was it was a, a source of information, and for a lot of people, um, you know, I listened to him almost every day. Um, I was a you know Rush twenty four seven subscriber, so you could get the podcast and the the video version, the Ditto Cam version of the show, um, and it's just uh, it sucks to have him gone. There's obviously going to be a huge gap and void in uh in talk radio and 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 it's but it's not just radio i mean everybody talks about his radio accomplishments and we'll do that here throughout this first segment because it is astonishing um but you know how many conversations in political circles started off with did you hear on rush today or i heard this on rush that's pretty powerful right when you can take a conversation or, or excuse me, when a conversation starts with, did you hear this on Rush Limbaugh? Or I heard this on Rush Limbaugh. That's pretty powerful. That doesn't happen very often. Something is so, and again, you look at Rush's show, there was no guests. There was no quote unquote breaking news. I mean, his show was not, you know, his, his, his guests were people like Donald Trump. That was about the extent of, of, of his guest list. Um, so it's just pretty amazing to see the the power behind somebody uh, like Rush, and he obviously will be will greatly missed on both the radio side and from a from a conservative messaging side, which is you know what he did for a for a better part of thirty plus years was this was was the messaging leading the narrative. I mean, you look at what is controlled by the left-wing narrative, right? What what news outlets and what media outlets have the left-wing, are, are powered by the left-wing narrative, it's almost all of them. 
I mean, it, 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 it is all of the major TV networks, NBC, ABC, CBS, and, and, uh, and Fox, the TV network, it's through, through the board, liberal messaging. And you look at your cable news. You've got MSNBC and CNN. Obviously, we know where they fall. Then you've got parts of Fox News that tend to be on, on the more conservative side. And then you've got outlets like Newsmax and One America News that are conservative you know, all the way. It's not much. Right, we've we've got our we've got our little we've got our little corner over here where where we're allowed to play, because the the left wing and don't even bother looking at newspapers. There's no such thing as a conservative newspaper. You've got what the Washington Examiner. That's it. One print newspaper. I don't even know if they print one newspaper in the entire United States <laughs> that that spews uh you know spews conservative values. One newspaper, um, and then of course the real strong part is talk radio where conservatism has been allowed to thrive because of its success. You know, contrary to what, what people say, and and I'm not even going to get into some of the disgusting posts and things that I saw this past week. And it's just, I mean, just people that were just easy. um, It's just an easy target. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a, a dead guy and people, you know, of course, blue check marks on Twitter, calling him a white supremacist and a racist and a bigot. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a par for the course for, for these people on the left. I mean, they're just, they're sad, pathetic individuals. And that's, that's what this really comes down to. I mean, and, and the one thing that I would say was the benefit of seeing this go on was it really proved how critical Rush's message was because if he was just some nobody that nobody cared about, they wouldn't be tweeting things like they are calling him a bigot and saying, oh, you know, I'm glad he's dead, which is literally what people were saying. You only say that if somebody's a threat to you. You only say that if somebody's a threat. And it was clear that through the last 30 years of his radio career, he has been nothing but a threat to the left. And I know a lot of people are, you know, Myself included, you're like, oh man, what's going to happen with 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 talk radio, and you know, what's what's going to happen with all these you know these things? We've got an incredibly important Senate uh, uh, or House and Senate races up next year with the midterm elections, and and you know, Rush, you know, is not going to be there to do that. And here's the thing, right? Rush paved the road. Now we just need to drive on. Right now, yes, we do need to maintain the road when there's potholes and things that pop up. We're going to need to patch them. We're going to need to fill them. Got to, you know, cut the grass on the side of the roads. But the road has been paved. Right. 30 plus years of broadcasting. The road has been paved. It was made for, you know, it has been made. To continue operation. Right. That's how Rush left it. And there are, of course, other people, Sean Hannity being the, you know a big name there. Um, that you know, number two, and then there's you know the list goes hundreds of syndicated talk radio hosts, um, all all up and down the the, the coasts of the country. So, I don't think that radio, talk radio is going to vanish, um, but I do think that there 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 is going to be a huge gap, and there will be nobody to ever fill Rush's shoes. That will that will never happen. But I think it's it, it's it, it's foolish for us to say. Oh well, let's you know, let's just you know, let's let's just kind of move on. No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think we need to 
to keep the message alive and keep the message going and and you know all the all that rush did for us as conservatives you know we'd be foolish to let that go away because the man is gone and it's very similar to donald trump in some ways right i mean yes rush was an incredible incredible broadcaster and an incredible mind but his ideals were not very unique right i mean these are conservative ideals most of us feel now he did an incredible job at articulating those. There's no question about it, but the ideals themselves, it's the same thing with Donald Trump. I mean, Trump was a very interesting messenger for our ideals. Same thing with Rush. He was a very, in a, a very, very interesting character for and a vessel for us, for our ideas. But the ideas don't go away because President Trump's not in office. The ideals don't go away because Rush Limbaugh is is no longer on the air. No, not at all. We'd 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 be stupid to let that be uh, something that that stops us or use that as a roadblock. No, not at all. That's not what Rush would want. He wants us to continue to thrive. It's why he did his radio show for a year with three hours a day at the age of you know sixty nine or seventy with stage four lung cancer. You imagine the toll that that puts on you. I mean, I do an hour a week and I'm not going to say it's exhausting, but it's after you finish your hour, you're whew. All right. Yeah. Take a deep breath. I can't imagine being 70 years old and fighting cancer and having chemotherapy and being on the air for three hours a day. It's just, it's unbelievable. And it really just shows how much he loved his audience. And, and at the end of the day, really supported and loved the ideals the conservative ideals that he used his platform to promote over the last 30 plus years. It's not something that happens every day, but I'll continue to say rush paved the road. He was absolutely a pioneer in talk radio, specifically conservative talk radio saved a good portion of the AM radio industry. No question about it. You can't take that away from him. And I know the lefties hate him. That's fine. It just proves how much he really was a pain in their side. That's all it proves. So as we, uh, as we head to our first break here, we'll be playing some familiar Rush Limbaugh bumper music here on Against the Norm. And uh, we'll say here, rest in peace, Rush. May your memory and the ideals of talk radio live on. Stick with us. This is Against the Norm. We'll be back. Welcome back to the program. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. You can visit our website, atnshow.com, where you can get the um, audio and video versions of the show each and every week. We are also on uh, on Parler and on Gab, as uh, as well as uh, various other social networks. You can find all the links for those, again, on the website. It's atnshow.com. So obviously, uh, you know, kind of a, a tough week as a conservative with everything going on, the passing of, uh, of, of the greatest that there ever was in talk radio, Rush Limbaugh. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think Rush would want us to continue the good fight, uh, as, as I believe he has called it numerous times, continue that good fight. So uh, that's what we'll continue to do here. And, and again, we'll, we'll be on the road that Rush paved for all of us. So, um, by the way, one cool thing before we move away from that is that um, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has said that he will order 
uh, flags to fly at half staff um, when when the the date of an, an internment is announced, which it hasn't been yet. Um, the flags across the state of Florida um, will be flown at half staff. So it's v- very cool to see that Ron DeSantis is doing that. And again, I I think it's safe to say that he probably wouldn't be uh, in the position he's in right now if it weren't for somebody like Rush, which uh, which is pretty pretty amazing when you think about it. So. Let's talk a little bit about the the hatred and the the reaction on the left, not the specific points, but you know, when you saw the the vitriol that was being posted all over social media and I've just got screenshots after screenshots of, you know, here's some blue check mark with a gay pride flag next to her name because you know that's a, you know, that's a a trait I guess being gay, it's some crazy thing. Uh Rush Limbaugh was a coward and a white supremacist, uh, white supremacist. Um so we've got that he uh, exploited divisions in our country by weaponizing hate and bigotry for his own personal gain. Um, it's easy to make fun of Rush Limbaugh right now. It's important to remember that he also brought a lot of people, uh, uh, brought a lot of people, a lot of joy by dying. I don't know why he would say that. Um, you know, people saying hope Rush Limbaugh can handle the heat, indicating that he's going to uh, is going to hell. Um, Rush Limbaugh has passed on, but worry not his memory lives on through bigots everywhere. I mean, these are all ver these are all verified check marks on on Twitter. And then of course the Huffington Post with the with the headline of them all. Rush Limbaugh, bigoted king of talk radio, dies at 70. So what can we take away from this? Well, there's a couple things to take away. First of all, the, these people the, you know, these leftists are are beyond screwed up. Right? That's that's safe to say. These people are they're just beyond screwed up. I mean, you just you know, have your opinions, have your want. It's just, it's so sad to see this on the left. And it, it, sh- it shows a couple of things. The first one is that this is what they think about you and me, right? See, again, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with, and what we've talked about with Donald Trump, him being the carrier of our message. The ideals that Rush Limbaugh had were nothing unique. I mean, it's the same thing that a, a lot of Americans felt, a lot of conservative Americans felt. So when they say these things about Rush Limbaugh, when they say he's a, a bigot and a racist and, all, and a white supremacist, they're also talking about you. They just don't know your name. You just don't have the platform that he had. They're talking about you. They're talking about us. They're talking about our side. They're talking about our, our ideals. That's so critically important to understand and, and to, to to be able to wrap your head around that this is they're not just attacking Rush because of who he was. They're attacking him because they hate his ideals. They hate what he stood for. That means they hate you and I. So everything that they are saying, substitute the name Rush Limbaugh with your name. That is exactly how they feel about tens, if not you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans. That is exactly how these people in New York City in Washington, D.C., and along the left coast, think about you and I each and every day. And their their posts are obvious of it. Again, this you know, this one guy says, "Rush," as I already read, Rush Limbaugh has passed on, but worry not, his memories live on through bigots everywhere. What's he talking about? 74 million Americans that voted for Donald Trump? I mean, that that that's what this that's what this shows more than anything else to me. Yes, it's not anything new from the left to be just totally unhinged when it comes to the passing of somebody on the right. I mean, they're just, these people are, 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 you know, just excited 
that somebody passes away from stage four lung cancer. And again, this is the side. These are the people that have been calling for unity. And by the way, I'm not, you know, people are like, oh, you're triggered over people. No, I'm not triggered by it. I just think it's important to understand that they're not just talking about him. They're talking about you and I. Because you really don't see this stuff when, like, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. You didn't see this stuff from prominent conservatives. And there was no verified Twitter accounts when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died uh, posting that they were happy that she died. Nobody was posting that. Nobody. Because it's insane. It's absolutely insane. This is, that's just not what we do. Yet, you've got people that are you know, parading the death of somebody on, on Twitter, which somehow isn't against their terms of service. But again, going back to um, this is not anything new and not anything surprising from the left, but again, the same side that calls for unity. Right? It's the same side that said Donald Trump was so mean so hate-filled, right? These are the words that they use to describe Trump, yet they're tweeting, well, I'm glad that this racist, bigoted, white supremacist is dead. Is that what unity looks like? Now, I've never been, and, and this might be a controversial statement, I've never been a fan of the term unity when it comes to politics because there's no such thing. This notion and this idea that the left's ideals and the rights ideals can somehow mend together and work is insane. They are polar opposites. And this idea that any president is going to be some great unifier is beyond stupid. Donald Trump was not a unifier. Joe Biden is not a unifier. Barack Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton, nobody, there's no such thing as being a unifier. You have a party affiliation. You have a core set of ideals that half of the country disagrees on. Let's just cut it in half for simple purposes. If you elect a Republican, half of the country doesn't agree with the ideals, or at least most of the ideals. If you elect a Democrat, half of the country doesn't agree with the ideals. So what is this notion of unity? I've never been a, one of these people, and I, I talked about this the other day with a friend, this idea of, you know, they always say, oh, you got to come across the aisle. No, there's no such thing. When... Coming across the aisle or compromising means the Republicans give in to the left. That's what happens time and time again. And that is what will continue to happen going forward. Because you can't, you're not going to, you're not going to come to an agreement with somebody that has the complete different and polar opposite ideals than you do. And this idea that there's some sort of unity behind this or, or, or whatever is just, is just insane. Now, I'm not saying we should be at each other's throats 24-7. That's not what I'm saying at all. I don't think you should hate your neighbor because he's a Democrat or hate your neighbor because he's a Republican. I'm not saying that at all. But this notion that these ideals just mend together when Joe Biden is in office is just stupid. And again, the tolerant left, which is what we're constantly told, we're the problem, right? The right is the problem. We're not, we're, we're not tolerant. We're a bunch of racist, racist, bigoted, whatevers. Then somebody passes away and they're tweeting things like rest in piss and burn in hell. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what they're tweeting. That's what they're saying. And again, they think that about you and I. It's not just him. 
And it's saying you can go back to the last four years of Trump. We talked about it many a times. The things that they were saying about Donald Trump. They weren't just talking about the man Trump. They were talking about his ideals and they were talking about his supporters, his base. 74 plus million Americans. They hate us. They hate everything about us. They hate our ideals. And they really do. And it shows up every once in a while and you see it in full display like what we saw this past week. You see it in full display. The hatred on the left is unparalleled by anything. And I don't know what it is. I mean, they're just, I guess they're just sad, miserable individuals. That's the only logical explanation I can think. I don't, I mean, I, I've never been somebody to cheer on the death of people. Especially somebody that's not, you know, criminal. If you want to talk about people that commit murder and other crimes, that's another different story. Rush Limbaugh wasn't a criminal. He was the most popular talk radio show host ever. So this idea that, you know, everybody is so excited that he's dead is just, it, it's sad. And again, it really is ah, par for the course is one word to use. But this is, this is standard for the left. This is what these people feel. And this is, at the end of the day, this is what they think about you and me and our ideals and our families. This is exactly what they think. It's exactly what they think about you and me. Replace his name with yours. That's how they feel. Stick with us. You're listening to Against the Norm with Nick Craig. All right, 25 minutes now till the top of the hour. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. Visit our website, atnshow.com. So uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Texas. Good old Tejas. Let's talk about some of the uh, ongoings there this past week. Now, there's a lot of misinformation going around about um, what went on in Texas. And we'll, we'll talk about some of that stuff. Yes, wind energy was a problem, but it was nowhere near the scale of what people were saying on social media. It's actually a relatively small portion of their, their service. It's only like 10 or 12%. A whole bunch of other issues. But, you know, a couple of things that I found very interesting with this and, and some lessons that we can learn. And I don't want to sit here. I've, I've never been one to sit here and be preachy. Contrary to what some of you may think, that's never been my goal. But what did we learn in this uh, this past week? First of all, we learned Ted Cruz is an idiot. Uh, and we'll come back to that. We'll, let's, we'll start off with that. We'll put a pin in it. We'll come back to that. We learned at the end of the day, there was nobody there to help. Big Brother government was not there. People were dying in their cars because they were unprepared. This comes back to something that I find to be so incredibly important and something that I think we overlook a lot on the on the right is that our ideals and our 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 notion of you know looking out for yourself and not being reliant on other people goes so much further than just, you know, government and, and, and regulations and rules and things that we have on our daily lives. It's personal responsibility. 
And I think you you saw a complete lack of personal responsibility with this situation that went on in Texas. And again, I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to you know throw uh, throw gasoline on the fire because I know there's people hurting down there and people are people have passed away. And I'm not trying to make light of that. But how is it that you're not prepared for and have no personal responsibility for anything? I mean, within two days of there not being power, people are out of food and have nothing to drink. That's personal responsibility from start to finish. It's plain and simple. Now, I'm not saying you need to have a, a, a bunker buried in the ground with, you know, 18 months of food and water. But there's nobody there to help you when situations like this gone. I mean, we know this well living here on the coast. You look at what happens during a hurricane. There's nobody there to help you in the middle of it. It's all about personal responsibility. Do you have enough gas for your generator? Do you have enough propane for your grill, your stove? Now, we don't fortunately don't have to worry about um, heat during the hurricanes because it's normally about 10,000 degrees outside. But it's all about personal responsibility. It's all about being prepared. And I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a weather nerd, so I've got a, maybe a different perspective on this than a lot of other people. But I'm just, I was dumbfounded with the complete lack of preparedness from so many people. So many people. And again, I think it, it really does come down to, at the end of the day, that people just aren't responsible. People have no, feel no reason to be responsible. The government will be there to help me. My local officials will be there to help me. No, they won't. At the end of the day, they don't care about you. you Got to look out for you first, right? Look out for number one. I'm not saying that to be selfish. I'm not saying that to be a jerk. But we saw it in full display this past week. I mean, people running their cars in their garages and killing themselves because of carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, come on. How do you do that? Running generators inside of houses? I mean, I guess there's a little bit of ignorance there, obviously, but I think it just it really comes down to a total lack of personal responsibility. So let's talk about exactly what happened there. And yes, wind is part of it, right? There is a large chunk of the uh, Texas panhandle that is um, a, a big wind field. And that makes sense for them to have wind energy there. Because it is an incredibly windy area. Now, when a you know a, a generational ice storm comes around, yeah, you're absolutely right. It doesn't work. No questions there. We saw it. We saw that it failed. A, a large majority of the Texas wind grid was was down. Totally failed. Mass power at one point, three and a half, four and a half million people in the state without power. More than like two or three hurricanes combined. For multiple days, right? I mean, like, you know, like like Hurricane Florence uh, uh, days, right? You're talking three, four, five, six days without power. There's still uh, like 100,000 people in the state without power. It's been over a week. So there was definitely an issue with, with, with their power grid there. And a lot of it comes down to this, to a company called, I believe it's called ERCOT, which is the, the you know, electric cooperative or whatever that runs all of the energy for, for, for Texas. But it did show us something about renewable energy, right? Unless you have the ability to store 
renewable energy like solar and wind, which unlike some people, I, I, I'm not opposed to green energy. I'm not. I, I, now, what I am opposed to is giving green energy companies an unfair advantage. That I'm opposed to. I'm, I'm opposed to government picking and choosing winners in energy. And when they give incentives to green energy companies to come and throw solar panels on your roof that you have to pay off for 30 years, that I'm not a fan of. But at the base, wind and solar are fine ways to generate power. I mean, they are. There's a couple of issues with them, though, right? If it's not sunny, you're not generating any power. If it's not windy, you're not generating any power. And it's very, very expensive to store electricity. To store power is very expensive. Look at how much, ba- look, look at how, go buy a big battery pack for something. It's expensive to store energy. Especially large bits of energy like what a power company does. They don't typically store energy. Now, in the case of coal or natural gas power, it's not really stored. It's a constant supply, right? You store the, you store the resource. You're not storing the energy. So we absolutely saw a failure there with Texas's energy grid. But it's not, I don't even think it's just a Texas issue. I mean, there are, the power grids across the country are incredibly, incredibly susceptible to issues. Multiple on a cybersecurity front, just in general. Energy systems are known to not be incredibly robust. They're very old. A lot of them are very old and antiquated. The systems themselves. I'm not talking about the power lines and, and whatnot. I'm talking about the systems themselves. So I think it was a, a, a good learning experience for a lot of people. First, on the preparedness side and personal responsibility. Like, hey, the governor's not going to help you in that. Greg Abbott, as much as I may like him, he's not going to help you. And then what in the world was Ted Cruz thinking going to Cancun? I mean, you want to talk about just a boneheaded, idiotic, stupid thing to do. Exactly what Ted Cruz did. Now, I will say in his defense, there wasn't really a whole hell of a lot he could do there in Texas. But leaving was a terrible idea. I don't know who told him it was a smart idea to leave his state when three and a half, four million people are without power and people are, or people are do- dropping dead and there's no, no supply of food or gas or propane or whatever they're looking for. You just, you talk, you know, one thing on the right that, that we need to remind ourselves of is that we are under constant attack, right? You see it all over the place. Any little thing that the left can jump on, they will. And they pounce. So the less and less that we give them to use for ammo, the better off we are. And what Ted Cruz did this past week was arguably the most boneheaded, stupidest thing he could have possibly done. I don't think there was a stupider thing he could have done. Besides maybe, I don't know, lighting groceries on fire or burning money in the middle of the road. Maybe that would have been stupider than leaving and going to Cancun. I mean, come on, Ted Cruz. And I understand that he doesn't have much of an impact exactly what's going on. He doesn't control the energy grid. He doesn't control that stuff. He's not going to be able to do a whole hell of a lot of anything. But really, 
You thought it was a good idea to go to Cancun? I get it. You want to get you you, you want to get and, and his point was valid. Hey, there's no power. I wanted to get my family and whatever out, and that's fine. Send your family, but don't go. And then he got caught and then had to come running back with his uh, tail between his legs. Just it made us all look stupid. There's no reason for it. Just a really boneheaded, stupid decision by Ted Cruz. Because it gives the left an incredible amount of ammo and this will never go away. This will be just another thing. In the middle, of, you can see it when he's up for re-election next time. In the middle of crisis, what does Ted Cruz do? He hops on a plane and goes to Cancun. And you can already write the headline. You can already write the material for his run in 2022, his opponent. I mean, this is exactly what they're going to say. Because we are under a microscope on the right. And that means we need to be incredibly careful with the things that we do. Final segment of the program. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you for joining me. If you miss any portion of the show, you can get the audio and video versions of the program each and every week on our website. It's atnshow.com. That's atnshow.com, where you can also check us out on both Gab and Parlor. Uh, Gab and Parlor at ATN Show. All right. So, uh, wrapping up uh, the show here, we're talking about um, what went on in Texas and just the terrible look that it is for um senator ted cruz and just again just just stupid all the way around there's no questions about it but something interesting is going on and i'm not sure if i'm not sure how much of this will will come to fruition um but the new york nursing home situation is incredibly interesting to watch uh we talked a little bit about it uh either last week or the week prior um but i mean cuomo's administration lied about deaths in nursing homes there's and they they blatantly covered it up and it wasn't until a court because uh, they did not they were news outlets and different organizations were requesting numbers the state was refusing to give it and it wasn't until it went in front of a, a state court that they said hey you've got to give these numbers over that that we learned that the deaths were literally doubled as what and as compared to what they were reported. I mean, almost 20,000 nursing home deaths in the state of New York, a total complete and utter failure. And Cuomo has been getting some serious heat for that, which is something which I really didn't expect to be perfectly honest with you, because at the end of the day, the Democrat media doesn't hold people accountable. They never have. And I didn't think they ever would. But what we're seeing in New York is incredibly interesting. I was just reading a report here um, that 25 to 30 New York Democrats, so these are Democrats that are in the New York State Legislature, 20 to 30 of them support an impeachment inquiry into Cuomo. That number is growing steadily, according to uh, New York Democrat Assemblyman uh, Ronald Kim. So again, they're not, that's not saying that 30 people support impeaching him, but 30 people in su- support, or 30 Democrats rather, support an inquiry into impeachment, um, there is a high probability that there will be some sort of impeachment inquiry into Cuomo in the state of New York. All of the state Republicans are on board and that there's already 30 plus Democrats. That number is only going to grow worse. Um, 
this could be very, very bad for Andrew Cuomo and for, for the state of New York. I mean, it's already a disaster. He lied. I mean, his, his government lied about the numbers and purposely misled individuals because of what he said. He didn't want it to look too bad, right? Because if this had come out during Trump's administration, all hell would have broken loose because Trump would have held him accountable. You know, it's fu- you find it funny that you've heard literally nothing from Joe Biden about this. You've heard nothing from the attorney general about this. You've heard nothing from any federal groups about this at all. I mean, the press secretary, Jen Psaki or whatever her last name was, um, was on uh, was on you know, an ABC show this morning. And the, uh, the anchor asked her, hey, you still think Cuomo is the gold standard for you know, COVID-19 leadership? And she just danced around the, the question. She didn't answer it. I always also circle back to it or whatever nonsense she makes up. So I'm not sure I wouldn't hold my breath that something happens here. But you look at what's going on in California with the recall election of Gavin Newsom, which looks like it will happen. They they will have the signatures by by was it middle of March that they're required to have that for there to be a, a recall of Gavin Newsom. Arguably one of the most powerful Democrats in the in the country, you know, outside of anybody in the House and the Senate. I mean, you're talking about the largest state, California. And now you see what's going on in New York and inquiries into how Biden or excuse me, how uh, Andrew Cuomo rather um, handled this and how his administration handled it. And what did it really come down to at the end of the day? What did it come down to? He didn't want to look bad when Trump was in office. It's all about optics. It's what it's always been about. Optics, optics, optics. Goes back to what we were talking about earlier. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't, it's, it's, they don't care. Government is not looking out for you. It never has. It was never the goal of government. I mean, I don't think our founding fathers, when they were, you know, coming up with our system and our plan that they thought, you know what, we, you know what the real goal here is to have the government look after you and make sure everything's all right. No, never. Now, I don't think that that means that Como should have been lying about the number of people that were dying in nursing homes. But it, it, that just doesn't matter. They don't care. They just don't care. The goal was to look good. And he did. He looked great. He got an Emmy for it. He wrote a book. Everybody, and, and he said it. I, we are, New York State is the gold standard for COVID-19. Really? Knowing damn well you lied and misled people about the number of deaths in nursing homes? It's the gold standard? And let's go all the way down the East Coast of Florida. They've had the less restrictions out of anybody in the probably the the world in Florida everything's fine everything's fine right we were told that by December that Florida was going to be up in flames because there was going to be so many people dying of COVID-19 of course didn't happen still hasn't happened you want to talk about your gold standard there it is Guess what they didn't do in Florida that they've done in every other state and are still doing in every other state? 
closing down businesses literally unconstitutionally. Halting commerce and deciding who is the winner and loser in commerce, which is always been what it's really come down to, right? Because Walmart was never closed. Target was never closed. Big box stores were never closed. So they were allowed to make as much money as possible while mom and pop business, well, you know, COVID. <laughs> eh, COVID. You go stand at Walmart with 600 other people buying cheap Chinese garbage. You go, buy, you go, do, go do that. But, but mom and pop store, no, no. Not allowed. Not allowed under COVID-19 in, in, a, in a whole bunch of states, right? A whole bunch of states. But the gold standard from Governor Andrew Cuomo in the state of New York, the gold standard, lied and misled thousands of people, every, you know, every New Yorker and, and really people across the world about what was really going on in that state. And it all comes down to he didn't want to look bad in front of Trump. Again, just go back to it, optics. That's what it's all about. By the way, CPAC is, uh, is coming up this week, so we'll have, uh, I'm sure, lots of things from that. I did find it interesting that uh, Mike Pence has declined an invitation to attend CPAC. Trump is expected to speak. It's not been, it, by the way, it's in Florida for the first time, I think, ever. Right? It's always in uh, Maryland. I've, gone to, I've had the pleasure of going to it a couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, not able to go this year, but um, it's going to be in Florida. Not sure if Trump's going to speak in person or if it's going to be a video address, but Mike Pence has declined the invitation, which I find rather interesting. Um, but to each their own, I guess he thought that, you know, with everything still going on and he just didn't want to be part of it. So that's that's kind of unfortunate. Um, but that's that's what he's decided. Also, um, uh, Michael Watley, who is the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party, he will be speaking. That was announced uh, maybe Friday or Saturday that he'll be speaking at, at CPAC. Uh, a great lineup of people there. All the stuff will be uh, available online as it always is. And we'll have uh, some clips for you next week on that. And some of the, some of the important things. And it's, you know, it'll be a good CPAC this year, of course, taking place in Florida, which is fantastic. Um, but it'll be, it'll be a good event as we get things back to normal. I know for a lot of people, CPAC was really the last big political event right now. You had some rallies and some things like that, but CPAC was the was the last big political event that happened. And that was in February of last year. And since then, the, the entire world uh, has been shut down. So CPAC taking place again this week in Florida. And uh, we'll have the latest on that next week. And we'll have uh, all the coverage of, uh, of that and everything else uh, from the week's events. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, th- yeah, that's that. So, um, as, as always, um, you know, we'll continue to keep you up to date on all these stories, keeping track of everything here. Um, you know, as, as things continue to go, Dr. Fauci and the Democrats keep moving the goal pole. Fauci say, hey, it's possible that Americans will still need to wear masks into 2022 and 2023. So look forward to wearing masks for at least a couple more years. Thanks to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the gentleman that has been wrong time and time again. But it's fine. He won, you know, some award from Israel. He got like a million dollar grant for something because he was did such a good job misleading the American public. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.